Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me today for this brand new um, podcast that BW Sports One has created just for your viewing pleasure, and it is called The State of Basketball. And we are super excited to be here today and talk a little bit of basketball about you. But before we get to all that good stuff there, uh, we got a couple things to talk about. Again, I say this is a BW Sports One original podcast. <clears throat> Excuse me. And our lovely sponsors are Rockstar Realty, Driving for Dyslexia, Elite Performance, and Docs Sports. And you can text BW Sports One to 29022 for your $60 new account with Doc Sports. So, um this is this is really exciting um it's the first time i've done the show all by myself i normally have uh my buddy with me uh mr dan delion but he has decided to jump off and let me do a basketball show on my own so we are pretty excited about it uh, just a little bit about the show before we get into it yes this is the state of basketball so obviously the only thing we're going to talk about on this show is basketball but that doesn't mean it's all going to happen with, you know, the current players and things like that. We'll deal on a different uh, manner of topics when it comes to talking basketball. And I mean, that can be training, um, youth organizations, professional high school, college, whatever, you know, playgrounds. Who knows? We can we can come up with all kind of conversations when it comes to basketball. But that is what you're going to get when you come here and talk basketball. So. Uh, I guess we'll go ahead and dive into today's conversation. Well, as you know, the NBA season uh, ended up, what, a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago, with the Los Angeles Lakers uh, winning another championship. I think it's their 17th. Uh, I think that would tie them with Boston. I uh, could be wrong there because eh, it's a stat that I could care less about is how many you have. <clears throat> But um, they did win the title last year. Um, LeBron James' second year, Anthony Davis' first year together winning the title. So uh, that looked good. The bubble situation I thought was done very well um, for that particular time of our society and the way the game had, had was going and trying to get it back being played for fans. I thought it was a great idea being able to isolate the players until our society can come up with a way that we can play in our regular stadiums again. I think it was a great idea for the amount of games and the playoff situation that we had. If we were doing a whole season, I really don't think that that concept would have worked. As you can see with the start of this season, they have all the teams back in their, their stadiums. So uh, we'll see how arenas, I should say. So we should see how that, that all plays um, into the factor of how we'll get the season played. There are a couple of different changes going on with this season, this year's season uh, with them starting as late as they are. They have tweaked the schedule a little bit. It's a 72 game season this year. And again, they're going to do a moda, uh, uh, um, a mutated, so to speak, type of uh, playoff seating type deal. I think it is the seven through 10 seeds are going to determine the seventh and eighth uh, playoff spots. <clears throat> for uh, each conference when they go into the playoffs. A um, couple other things that happened over the offseason. Well, you had the draft. Uh, we all know who went 
uh, first, second, and third in the draft. Uh, it was Edwards from Georgia, Wiseman uh, from Memphis, and Alonzo Ball from the Australian uh, Pro League. So those are some some talent that we're probably going to want to you know pay attention to a little bit as we go along in the season for draft picks. Uh, but some of the key things that happened over the offseason, one was the coaching moves. You know, um, there was a, a couple significant coaching moves that were made, <clears throat> a couple that I would like to, you know, just bring to the forefront just for a couple couple seconds. Um, one, you got Stan Van Gundy coming back in the coaching, leaving the broadcast booth to uh, tackle that monster that is New Orleans. I think he's walking into a very good situation especially for an established um, established coach who is, you know, is known for hard nose and discipline and getting these guys on the same, same thread. Um, I think that is a good spot for him. You got a lot of young talent. You got a lot of veteran talent on there as well. So uh, look for Stan to have a pretty decent year at New Orleans. Um, also, we have Doc Rivers, who is leaving the Clippers, headed over to Philly. So he's going back to the Eastern Conference uh, with a team that I, I, with a move that I was a little, little questioned by. And, you know, I I thought that he would probably stay out West, maybe explore that New Orleans job with a lot of that young talent that they have there. But he chose to come back East and go with a little bit more uh, questionable um, organization with the Philadelphia Sixers, <clears throat> 76ers. Um, ben, ben Simmons is a, is a star. Uh, I think the problem there is how is Doc going to get uh, the other star to um, live up to his, his potential that's in Joel Embiid. So I'm interested in to see how that dynamic works. Um, and on the flip side of that, you have uh, Ty Lue, who was taking over the reins of the Clippers, which is an extremely dysfunctional organization uh, with all the little negative news that they've had in the last uh, two to three weeks, you know, with the locker room um, issues and the extreme favoritism to uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Paul George doing what Paul George does, you know, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So um, that's an interesting situation. I like to, you know, keep an eye on you know, being a Laker fan. So I'm always going to see what's going on in the locker room, uh, across the hall because they have some divert some some deserters so to speak so um keep an eye on what's going on with tyloo and the clippers and then last coach that i wanted to highlight real quick would be steve nash and the brooklyn nets um i mean we've had a show about this you know with, over wednesday night live we've talked about the hiring of steve nash now i don't want people to get me wrong i think steve nash is going to be an excellent coach and i think he has an excellent basketball mind as you can see from his career and his two-time mvps but i uh, i questioned the hiring not of him but the process of the hiring and so that's i mean i still haven't changed my stance on that you know we have so many qualified uh young assistants um uh, black and and of other races that you know did their their homework did their jobs um, put in their mileage sitting on these benches and, and, and assistant coaches and, you know, doing all the traveling, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. They've earned their dues. But then you have a guy who only consulted for the Golden State Warriors for a couple of years, then decides he wants to be a head coach. The next thing you know, 
they've bypassed all the processes and he's your head coach. So I do have an issue with that, but that without standing, I do think he's going to be a really good coach. I'm more concerned to how he's going to manage the egos. That is the Boston Nets. Um, so those are a couple of the coaches that, you know, made moves for the upcoming seasons that I'm really interested in. Um, a couple of players that were moved over the off season that, uh, we'll keep a couple of eyes on. Um, the first one would be uh, Chris Paul, CP3, making the move to or being traded to Phoenix, the Suns. Um, I think it's a good move for him. I was kind of on the outside chance, hoping they finally make that marriage between him and the Lakers, but that did not happen. But I really think he's in a good situation uh, for his progression into his next stage in, in, in the game, which I think he's going to go into coaching because – he has that type of mentality and you can see him when he's on the floor and how he's interacting with his new teammates since he hasn't like, I think he played one preseason game, but he's had a little, little bruise that they've kind of kept him out for the for remainder of the, uh, the preseason games. But when they show the games, you see him on the sidelines. He, but, uh, but uh, eventually a coach does, I mean, he's coaching talent. He's putting people in good situations to uh, be more effective. And I think he's going to have a, um, a huge effect on the growth of that particular team. Uh, one being a DeAndre Ayton and a um, Devin Booker. So I think he's going to make it a lot easier for Devin Booker to score. And he's going to demand that uh, DeAndre Ayton give forth the best effort that he could um, <clears throat> possibly give with the talent that he has. So those are... That's a key person. Uh, the Westbrook, John Wall trade. Um, I, when I first looked at the trade, I thought it was just, you know, me and a swap. You know, I thought they were pretty much the same player. One's just a little younger, and the younger one shoots a little better. But they still have that that downhill mentality straight to the bucket. So um, I don't see a, too much of a change in Washington other than Westbrook is a man's people to play at the same intensity level that he does. So I do see, expect to see a change in Bradley Bill if he continues to be in that organization. Um, I do expect to see a change in him and a change in a little how the young guys on that team work. Uh, the wall to Houston. Uh, with the Houston, I kind of think it's a down a downgrade a little bit. You know what I mean? Or a lateral move. I mean, they both... Westbrook and uh, John Wall were both dominant ball, uh, ball dominant guards. And you're trying to put him with another ball dominant guard and James Harden. It didn't work with CP three. It didn't work with Westbrook. And I'm pretty sure it's not going to work with James Harden as in speaking, if he is still going to be a part of the team as the season moves forward. Um, so, but John Wall looks strong. He looks, um, he looks healthy, but you know, He's always had that injury bug since he's been the last couple of years in the league. So I'm looking to see if he can, you know, keep his body healthy and how over with the Houston Rockets. Now you understand there's a difference in the backcourts in the East and the backcourts in the West. There's some dogs over in the West. So um, I'm not looking too much into that move there with John Wall in Houston. Uh, but a key move, that I don't think people are talking enough about that we really won't see the effects of his move until we get to the, the later parts of the season going to the playoffs is the Steven Adams to New Orleans. 
that is going to allow some of those young bigs to learn how to play in the paint in this day and age is paint when you're a big man who don't really shoot the outside J a whole lot. Um, so I'm looking for him to anchor the, that, that paint game and allow um, Zion to be as move, move, um, movable as he can possibly can be with not having to worry about him being your anchor on your defensive defensive side, which is Steven Adams is going to be. So those are key, key player moves from the off season and key player, key coaching, coaching moves from the off season. So it should be a pretty good season coming up and I'm really ready to talk a little bit more about it. Um, Really, not so much on today's show, but we got a whole season to talk about that day's today's today's game. Um, so <clears throat> what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give you my top six projected playoff teams for the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. Um, for the season, I do not give you the seventh and eight seeds because the seventh, like I mentioned earlier. The seven through ten seeds are going to be determined by a um, playing tournament at the end of the year before the playoffs start. Kind of like how the bubble did with the playing games um, for uh, the playoffs this past past season. Um, so we will go ahead and jump into the Eastern Conference. <laughs> So we'll go ahead and jump into the Eastern Conference and we'll talk a little bit about some of these teams that will be going forward here. Uh, Let's see. First off in the Eastern Conference, I have the Brooklyn Nets as the top seed in the Eastern Conference. And I say that because they are the most talented team um, through the roster in the Eastern Conference. You know, when you have two superstars of the quality of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant on the same team, that is a whole lot of offense. And and they're not just the only ones on this team that are loaded with offense. You have Karis LeVert on this team, Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, You have great defensive presence with Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. And then we also mentioned the Steve Nash. I'm, I'm really anxious to see how his point guard mind state merges with Kyrie's point guard mind state. Um, I think the biggest thing that Steve Nash is going to have to deal with when dealing with these two individuals is both Durant and Kyrie are two of the most sensitive um, NBA stars that we have right now. I mean, post on Twitter and Instagram always get them riled up in their feelings with fake Twitter accounts and all that kind of stuff. So I'm anxious to see how both of those uh, players deal with the dynamic of the New York media base and how Steve Nash is going to um, navigate those things through a 72 game plus playoff season. Uh, Next up we have the Miami heat Um, last year's defending Eastern conference champions. Um, I have them at the number two spot uh, because they are the defending champions and they have Jimmy Butler. Uh, Jimmy Butler is a straight dog and I'm glad that he finally found an organization 
and a team that has the same mentality that he does. He said it in Philly. He said it in Chicago. They didn't have it. And he said it in Minnesota, and they didn't have it, and everybody thought he was a disgruntled player. Last year, he's in the finals and with the same type of attitude that he had in all three other places. So I'm looking to see nice things from them. Uh, I think they're going to compound on to what they built last year. Um, don't sleep on Miami because they could be the same same hard out as they were last year. Um, at number three, we have the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, I have the Milwaukee Bucks here because um, even though they did resign Giannis to that massive $228 million max deal, um, I don't think that they've done enough to secure a one-two spot and a, and a guaranteed trip to the finals. Um, Covington has to, not Covington, I'm sorry. Um, Middleton. <laughs> uh, Chris Middleton has, has got to live up to that huge contract that he signed last year. I think he was the biggest downfall, the letdown of the Milwaukee Bucks last year because of what he was supposed to do did not help out Giannis when he came to the playoffs. So they're going to need to surround him with, with better shooting. I think the holiday move uh, secured up their point guard a little bit. Um, Bledsoe's not a bad guy. I just don't think that he worked well for that team. He didn't make the outside shot enough. Um, holiday is going to be really good for that. And I think he's going to fill that gap a little bit more from the loss of Malcolm Brogdon that they had to the Pacers. So, um, I'm looking at Miami to stay at, I mean, Milwaukee to stay at three. Hopefully by the trade deadline, they'll get some more shooting around, around Giannis, and that could um, help him out a little bit more when it comes into the playoffs. Uh, the fourth seed, I have the Boston Celtics for the fourth seed in the East. Um, I dropped them down. I was really high on them last year. Actually, I picked them last year to be the number one seed, but that did not happen. And I did not pick them this year for one reason, one reason only. It was not the departure of Gordon Hayward, but it was the fact that they did not really secure their paint. That's where they ended up losing to the Heat last year in the conference finals was because the Heat exploited their weakness in the paint with Bam Adebayo and um, uh, um, Kyle Olenek. So I look for Boston. So the offseason, I look for Boston to have made some moves in the paint. I think adding Tristan Thompson helped a little bit. But, you know, he's been in Cleveland. I guess you could say he was lost, but he's never really been a great offensive threat. A great defensive guy, but he's got the Kardashian bug. So I really don't think that's going to do any good for them. I was kind of disappointed in Ainge with all the assets that he had that he did not make good moves to bring in a better quality big to help them out. Jason Tatum is a straight dog. He signed his max deal, but I just don't see a whole lot of help. Jalen Brown is going to be there for him. Kimball Walker, we don't know if he's going to stay healthy or not. He missed a ton of games the last couple of years with those knees. He's been doing the, the stem cell injections, but uh, we still haven't yet to see him in the preseason. I think we won't see him until maybe January. So. Um, that right there keeps Boston in the top four because of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but I don't see them advancing far into the playoffs because of that lack of post play. 
So at the fifth seed, I have the Philadelphia 76ers. And I have them here um, because they're good enough to be in the top six, but I don't think they're good enough to win a championship. Couple pieces, I think they're missing. Um, you know, just like Giannis, they want to focus on uh Ben's shooting, but Ben's way more than that. I think you should, I think, and I think Doc is probably gonna do this. He's gonna play Ben in that that Scotty Pippen of old or that um new LeBron James point forward type deal. You can still put him at the small forward or the power forward, he can still run the point. But you're going to have to have more people on the floor that can be able to shoot. And he can run the offense from the four spot and not crowd Joel Embiid in the paint. I think Doc Rivers will be a good job to bring that type of um, offensive uh, strategy out in the game. But I'm not really sure about, you know, again, Joel Embiid is going to always be the downfall in my eyes to the Philadelphia 76ers. He doesn't come to camp in shape. You know, you don't give all effort out. I just think wish that you played as hard on the court as you do with your Hulu commercials. And I think Philadelphia would be really good. Um, Tobias Harris, you got to live up to your contract, man. They paid you money to, to go out there and put buckets in. I just didn't see it. Um, so we're anxious to see how Elm Brand and Doc, and Doc Rivers gets this all taken care of. But right now, I have them at the sixth seed or the fifth seed. And coming in at the final already set spot, um, I'm going to go with the Indiana Pacers. Indiana Pacers as the sixth seed. Um, I have them up there because I think they have potential to be a good team. But I have them down there because of the changes and the inconsistency in the play. Um, first off, you got to tackle the situation with Victor Oladipo. Does he want to be there? Does he not want to be here? So, I mean, I know he said all the right things in the press conferences, you know, and one thing when you get to rumors, if you're not, you know, man enough to put your name on the stuff that you say out of the locker room on your team, then you might as well just keep it to yourself. You know what I'm saying? So um, I would just, at that point, I would just leave that whole situation alone and um, figure out what you're going to do with that. And for the Pacer fans to stop expecting Miles um, Turner to be something that he is never going to be. He is a very good role player. He is going to be, bring you defense, and he's going to bring you um, uh, block shots, rebounding and block shots. That's what he's going to give you, and that's what you should expect of him. If you're going to think he's going to give you 25 points a game, then you're looking at the wrong guy. So that's what you have Domas Sabonis for. So that's what you need to concentrate on. And you have great pieces around them. But, again, I'm still the inconsistency. You know, is T.J. Warren going to do this, what you did in the bubble? Or are you going to give us what you gave, you know, uh, in between time, Phoenix and the start of the bubble? So, um, but I still have the Pacers there. So, again, we're not going to talk about the seven, the seven and eight seed because those are play-ins. So that's what we have for the Eastern Conference. So let's go over here and jump over to the Western Conference since my slideshow decided to work ahead of me. <laughs> At the number one spot, I have the Los Angeles Lakers uh, for reasons nonwithstanding. You have the King. You got LeBron James and is going into his 18th year. 
uh, probably looking like he's going into his 12th year, you know, with the stuff that he does physically. Uh, Anthony Davis has signed his deal. He's set for a while in the uh, purple and gold. And man, has he looked pretty good. Like he didn't have a drop off coming from the final, from the, uh, the bubble last year finals to the start of the preseason, the time that he's played. I think the last game in Phoenix, he went six for six from the three-point line, step backs, turnarounds, and he put up 35 points. So I'm looking for the Lakers to be strong again. Um, Kuzma, there's a guy who's looking over your shoulder. Mort, uh, forgot what his name was. I had it written down, but I don't know where it went. Morton Tucker, that's it. You got a guy who's on your heels who's wanting to take this third spot. So it can either cause healthy competition or it can be the way that Kuzma gets moved out of L.A. Since they kept him there, but if they got somebody else that can fill the same role, I think it could be uh, troublesome. But I'd like to see them all stay. Now, the Lakers have uh, secured up some three-point shooting, uh, more perimeter defense. So I'm looking real and more uh, a post play um, offensively that uh, you wasn't getting from JaVale or Dwight Howard, which allows Anthony Davis to play the four where he wants to play anyway with the um, the acquiring of Mark Gasol. So that's a, a really good move. Uh, championship, he's a champion. He's got uh, knows how to play in the playoffs and championship games. So this is going to be a really good move for the Lakers. I like them at the number one spot. Uh, coming in at number two. Here I have the Denver Nuggets coming in at number two. Uh, we all saw how Jamal Murray uh, finished off the playoff bubble last year. You know, I mean, the dude is exciting. Um, he's he's fun to watch, and that team is really good. I expect um, um, the hometown boy, Gary Harris, to have a better year this year. You know, coming off that injury last year, going right into the bubble. Um, it didn't get the play that you wanted from him. He's a solid defender. He's a, a good open shot maker and he shoots the three ball very well. So I like to see that happen. And then, you know, Jokic is just outstanding. So I just like the way this team is set up. And I think they're, they're trending in the right, the right direction. I like the Denver Nuggets to go at number two. At number three. I have the Dallas Mavericks. And the reason why I don't have the Dallas Mavericks at two, uh-oh, moving a little fast. The reason why I don't have the Dallas Mavericks at two is because I really don't know what's going on with Christophe Porzingis. Uh, Luka Doncic is a bona fide superstar. Uh, you're going to see his name in the MVP race for the next couple of years. So that's a good piece to build off of. Mark Cuban does a really good job. and. At, at, at spending the money the right way is in his organization. So I expect the Dallas Mavericks to do to look pretty well this year. I think he's going to make some moves before the end of the tread deadline, but um, I like Dallas here. Um, at the fourth spot, as you can see, I have the Clippers for the fourth spot. Um, I'm a little worried about the Clippers. There's a lot going on. You know, you had the unfair treat, well, the, the extra treatment that Kawhi was getting living in San Diego and missing flights and having flights delayed because he had to wait for him to get there. You know, those type of deals, you know, wanting the, the team to flying from San Diego and all those type of things. And then you have, you know, the unease in the locker room because of the fair unfair treatment that Paul George and 
Kawhi Leonard was getting. And then so Doc Rivers is removed. And then here comes Paul George doing all the talk about how you wasn't been used. I like it how Kendrick Perkins broke it down into actual numbers of possessions of how you were presented with the ball. And from what you were talking, it doesn't add up. So I'm anxious to see if he turns on Tyrone Lou the same way he did on Doc Rivers, how that team is going to jail. You know, Montrez Harold, Montrez Harold skipped teams. He went across the locker room. He felt that they that the Clippers didn't appreciate him. And so he went to somewhere and he thought that he would be appreciated. So um, I think there's a lot going on over the Clippers. And plus this thing with Jerry West, the logo, you know what I mean? With him, you know, illegally doing some college stuff, uh, how you gotten Kawhi Leonard to the Clippers. So I'm anxious to see how that pans out and how much that affects uh, the organization moving forward. Um, at the fifth spot in the Western Conference, I have somebody. I have the Golden State Warriors. And the reason why I have them so far down, obviously I'm moving not as fast as my screen. <laughs> but the reason why I have the Golden State Warriors this far down um, is because Klay Thompson is not there. And they have a lot of unproven talent on that team, uh, Kelly Oubre should be decent. Um, I'm not a fan of Andrew Wiggins by any means at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, I've, 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 I'll keep that for a whole nother conversation because I'm sure we're going to have a conversation about it. But I'm not a fan of his at all. He has not lived up to any hype, any contract, anything that he has given. So, and Jimmy Butler called him out and ain't nothing changed since then. So um, I don't think the dynamic is going to be any different in Golden State. I just think that at some point in time, Draymond Green is probably going to punch him in the face. So um, I think Steph's going to have a really good year, but that's about it. So I see them at the fifth spot. At the sixth spot, I have the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. I have them in that spot uh, because I just enjoy the youth that they have on there. Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram are going to be a bona fide star combo for the future. Brandon Ingram last year was the most improved player uh, coming back to the league. I mean, I think he upped his scoring, what, like 12 points, rebounding, assists, all those things. And he looks better. He looks stronger. Um, he looks more confident in his game. And you can see it on the floor by the way he plays. And Zion Williamson is coming into this season. 100% healthy. If you watch any of the preseason games, man, if you're giving this guy, you know, 25 to 30 minutes, man, there's going to be some electrifying stuff. Now, this is what now I, I'm not going to retract statements, but I am going to say this. I was not a real big high person on Zion Williams because I kept seeing all the highlights, you know, when he was coming out of high school. And I kept looking at the competition that he's playing against. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, anybody can look that good if you're playing against you know, Park Tudor all the time. Park Tudor's a high school here. But if you're playing against that type of all the time, you're going to look great. But he goes to Duke. He does the exact same thing. Then he gets hurt. He comes to the league. He's hurt. He's nicked up. But when he's in the game, you see those same exact flashes against these studs in the league. So I'm expecting Zion Williams to be an absolute monster. I see him as a mix between a Barkley and a Larry Johnson. The dude is, is outstanding. 
And then we haven't even talked about Lonzo Ball has his progression as a point guard has gotten so much better when he left L.A. and the dynamic of his father. So I'm looking really good um, on this New Orleans Pelican team. I got them in the sixth spot. I don't see them in the seven through ten seeds um, battling out. Those teams, I have, you know, the Suns in there. The Grizzlies are in there. I throw Houston in there just because, you know, and if James Harden's still there, they're still going to be competing. They're still going to be winning games, but I don't think they're going to be winning games at the clip that they were winning games. So those are my six C's for the Western Conference uh, playoff scenario. So before we finish up here, um, I want to give you guys my um, – what did I want to give you guys? I want to give you guys my um, projected uh, my projected end-of-the-season awards. So um, I'm going to give you who I think uh, is going to win MVP, uh, defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, and most uh, – no, but six-man and most improved. Um, I think if I remember correctly, I didn't put my most improved up there, but I'm going to tell you exactly who it is. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into that. I'm not going to get too deep into – who uh, the reasons why I pick them, let's go get them because as we go through the season, um, you'll hear all my points about why I have these individuals in the places that they're going to be in. So um, first up, um, MVP. Um, I pick Anthony Davis to be MVP this year because, man, <laughs> he's got it all set up and LeBron talks like he wants to put him in that category. Like LeBron wants to say, hey, this is your thing. Go do your thing. Um, defensive player of the year, I'm going with Bam Adebayo uh, for the Miami Heat. Uh, one reason why, or even the block at the the block dunk at the rim, that was impressive. You're going to win defensive player of the year because of that, and I enjoy it greatly. <laughs> Having fun with this slide yet? I'll get all the bugs worked out eventually, folks. I promise you. <laughs> um. <clears throat> Rookie of the year, I'm going with LaMelo Ball. I think he's in the best situation to win that award. Um, and, uh, uh, James Wiseman in Golden State. Uh, I don't think he's going to get the opportunities that we want for your rookie of the year to have, you know, with the way that Steph shoots the ball. And then you have Andrew Wiggins. And then you kind of uh, a couple other guys who are really good at, you know, scoring buckets. And they're going to probably keep him in running the floor that Mooney type of role, you you rim run, we give you the ball, we throw you lobs and stuff like that. So um, I do like LaMelo. He's in a better situation. He has the ball in his hands, kind of like how Ja Morant was last year when you have all that talent and you're, you know, you're the distributor of the talent plus your own. So I like um, rookie of the year to go to LaMelo Ball. Six man of the year, I like that to go to Montrez Harold because – you know, he's not going to start because you got Anthony Davis and Marcus Gasol, which allows him to come into that second unit and do exactly what he's done his whole career. That's why he was winning it. And the Clippers, he's just switching locker rooms. He's going to do the exact same thing um, this year. And obviously, Lou Williams' name is going to be up there, but it's probably not going to go to him because I think Marcellus is in a better situation being with the Lakers to get that award. Um, as you can see, my most improved player right here is blank because I didn't write it in, but I'm going to tell you who it's going to be. I think my most improved area is going to be DeAndre Ayton of the Phoenix Sun. That dynamic with Chris Paul demanding 
everything out of everybody on his team, that leadership, that guidance. I think it's going to be a really good situation for him. How can you not play hard for a guy, for with a big guy that has a point guard like that? Look how what Chris Paul did for um, DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan got all that money from those contracts because of Chris Paul. So I see him doing the same thing. My most improved player is DeAndre Ayton of the Phoenix Suns. So, hey, I really appreciate you guys joining me. Um, this was the first one uh, of many of the state of basketball. We have so much more in the works. Um, I will tell you this. This is probably going to be one of the few shows that I do uh, by myself. Um, we are going to, the show is established to have guest hosts um, as we go along, because I know so many basketball minds around this state, and it'd be great just to sit here and talk basketball with these guys for, you know, 20, 30, 45 minutes. But I do have a special guest who will be with me the majority of the show, and you guys will see him uh, at the beginning of the year. So look out for that and stay tuned. But as we move on in our evolution as a show, just to remind you some of the guys that we have lined up for you. Um, don't forget about, you know, me and my partner, uh, Dan DeLion, for our Wednesday night live show um, every Wednesday at 7.30 on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Uh, and let's not forget, Bet Your Ass with Rafael Arsparza. Hosted by Dan DeLion, and we're all over the place. So you make sure you check those guys out for all your, your betting numbers and odds and, and bookie talk and all that good stuff. Uh, make sure you check those guys out on Mondays at a 7.30 as well as our Facebook Live channel. Uh, and then we like to end our weeks, or well, it depends on if you say Sunday, the end of the week or the beginning of the week. But you can always check our brothers out at Checkers and Wreckers on Sundays at 11 o'clock for everything that goes around the track fast and hard. <laughs> I know Sean's going to get over me because I can't never say his little thing. But that's for him to do and me to mimic. <laughs> so, um, and then just for you guys, we do have other programmings that we have. Just want to let you know what's going on with us over at the network. We got the Dynasty Bros FF. Uh, podcast redraft show. We have the audio for that on all of our um, um, podcast audio platforms. And then on Saturdays at 1230, we got uh, for our wrestling people, we got super kicking it with Stefan. And, um, and coming up soon, we got a couple new shows for you guys. We got quantum inspirations with Monica Rochelle Clark. That'll be coming soon at the beginning of the year. And also my buddy Dan DeLion coming from DeLion's Den to give you guys the combat zone. So it's a whole show just about people punching people in the face. So you guys are really, 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 really enjoy that. So, um, yeah, thank you guys for joining me today. The one for the state of basketball. Hope you enjoyed yourself. We got great more content, great more shows coming up in the near future. I uh, appreciate you hanging out. BW Sports 1, the one, I'm out.